This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. And Benjamin Solak. How old are you? It's the Kiss and Solak Show. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 30, brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio, Clippet TV, and also fans of Philly that are going to be hooking up some fantastic road trips where you, gentle listener, can meet the BGN Radio crew on four of these away games that the Eagles are going to be on, including coming to see me down here in Tampa. I'm I'm an outside of Philly native, but I'm down here in Tampa, Florida, and I will be at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game Week two, come see your boy through fans of Philly. They got some great packages. I've heard that's why the NFL scheduled the Eagles to play in Tampa Bay this year, was so that people could come hang out with you. I hosted the Kiss and Solak show, BGN Radio. That's That was the rumor from a source. I have such a big influence on the national media with Darius Geis going to Philadelphia at 32, and I feel like this is another one of those cases, Ben. Uh, the reach that we have here at BGN Radio is awesome. And, and again, just to kick things off like normal, I'm your gentle host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Follow my work at InsideThePylon.com, BleedingGreenNation.com, where I'll be having some draft content dropping very, very shortly. I've also done so throughout the process. As always, I'm joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation. And NDTScouting.com is where you can find his excellent draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, we already kind of talked a little bit, but I want to know how you're doing because because I care. Every day is a good day to be alive. <laughs> Happy Christmas Eve. Day before, the first day of the NFL draft. Mike, I spent the entire day working on my seven-round mock draft uh, for NBC scouting. And the thing about – well, here's the thing about seven-round mock drafts. There's, uh, there's so much science that goes into making these selections. And and obviously, it's really easy to figure out who the Packers are going to take with their 18,000 picks. Yep. Denver has Denver has eight picks 
in the first 113 slots. But here's what's frustrating is that their roster is like mostly just decent across the board. Right. So like in the beginning, it's like, all right, we'll take Isaiah Wynn. Like that makes a lot of sense. And then it was like, all right, I'll give them like a nickel corner. It's a bit of a luxury, but they want one. And then after that, they don't really have huge needs. They just have like a ton of picks and it's just awful. Yeah. And so people are yelling at me, which is a great time. But that's up at NDT Scouting if you want to check that out. I'm excited uh, to talk about the to talk about the must-haves that we're doing for this week. But before we do, I want to ask you, have you seen the video of Josh Rosen talking to Andrew Siliano on NFL Network? Yes. Have you seen this? Yes. Okay, so for those listeners who have not yet seen it, find it. My boy uh, Google Josh Rosen. Google Josh Rosen, Andrew Siliano, angry. Uh, and you should, it should come up. And basically, Siliano is asking Rosen a question he's undoubtedly been asked a thousand times, which is, oh, you're you going to go number one? Like, what what happens if you go number two? And and I'm like, which is just a dumb question. But I'm sure Rosen who has fielded this question countless times and has given, you know, kind of milk toast, white bread, politically correct answers. And now, two days before the draft, Rosen's like, all right, listen, if I'm going to be slipping in this draft because people think I have character concerns, then screw it. The veil is coming down. <laughs> and was just like, listen, I've been number two always. Number two recruit in high school. Everybody talked about other quarterbacks, state of California. I beat them all. Everybody talks about Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. Three years looking back, I'm going to be here. I'm still going to be around. I'm going to be standing. Pretty much was basically just like, listen, everyone can suck it. And that really speaks to yeah. me. And I'm very happy as a petty person, that Josh Rosen, yeah, with a chip on my shoulder. That really speaks to me because he was talking about, yeah, this elite 11 MVP. You don't hear about him much. This number one recruit, you don't hear about him anymore. You ain't hearing about none of these people. And the same thing is going to happen with the. And he called Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. What do you call them? Flashy. Like <laughs> throwing major shade. Right. He said these like big name, like you know, like whenever he said another adjective, and then there was this pause. And then he went flashy, mm. which makes me think that he was he was just thinking like douchey or like these a-holes <laughs> or like just like something like that he's not really going to say on air. Yeah. And then he settled on flashy because it like kind of fit what he was talking about. But there's a very pregnant pause there where he like just barely keeps the horse in the bridle. And he's like, I can't <laughs> let this get too far. I'm just going to be like level two piss. I'm not going to go level five. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're very, very fun video to see. Man, that's my quarterback one right there, man. That's my quarterback one, man. All right. We are going to be doing some must-haves for the draft, what the Eagles need to come away with on April 26th and for the next two days of the NFL draft. Uh, to help us out with that from the Next Level Podcast, we brought in Teron Davenport to speak with us real Teron. quick about his major must-have. So we're going to kick it over to that little quick segment right now. And joining us here for a little bit here on the Kiston Solak Show is Teron Davenport of BGN Radio with the Next Level Podcast. Teron, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing really well, man. Got a lot of things popping here at the Eagles Wire, so and as well with, with the BGN crew. So it's, it's definitely a good time, man. It's draft season. It's almost here. And uh, let's get it. It's a very exciting time to be alive as Super Bowl champions, picking number 32 overall in the draft. That is subject to change, of course. What me and Ben are going to be talking about in this episode is must-haves, you know, and we're trying to at least isolate maybe maybe five of them, whether that be a specific position of need or whatever the case may be, something that you want to see happen in this draft. What is one of the major things that you want to come away with as the Philadelphia Eagles in this draft, Ron? Well, if, if I was picking for the Eagles, I would definitely make sure I come away with a guy who could bump inside and play nickel. 
and uh, you know mm-hmm. that that guy to cover the slot receivers, and that's why I a lot of people are talking about Mike Hughes, and he's really good. But for me, yep. I think it's a must-have to get your hands on Duke Dawson out of Florida. I think that that he. I mean, you look at the way he jams receivers at the line. You look at what he did. Anybody who hasn't seen Duke or, or understand what he brings to the table, just tune into that Texas A&M game. Watch him against a guy who's going to go in the first round in, in Christian Kirk and then come back to me and let me know uh, what you think of him. Now, speaking my language, yeah, I love Duke Dawson. Way to beat Theron. Yes, sir. What, what does that say about Jalen Mills's potential to kick inside to the slot? Do you think that that's a viable option still, or or is that a very – obviously, that's the first thing that came to mind for you. Uh, what do you think about Mills's potential in the slot if we don't necessarily grab a guy like Duke, who I love? Uh, I absolutely love his tape. I think he's a definite day-two talent with, with a lot to work with, with the fluidity and his athleticism and all that stuff. Uh, so what do you think about Mills in the slot if something like that doesn't happen? Yeah, I think Mills is a guy that, that could play the slot. He, To me, though, when you look at him, he, he's a little stiff as far as in the hips and change of direction on that side of things. So I, I don't know if I would trust him going against a Cole Beasley, going against a Jamison Crowder yep. two times a year, not to mention some of the other guys that they're going to face, Sterling Shepard twice a year. So there there are some, some issues as far as Mills moving inside, I, I personally, I still feel, and I told Jalen this when he came out, you know, when he first got to the Novacare Complex, I told him that I always felt that he was a safety, you know, but he's shown that he could play the corner position out there on the boundary, but I, I don't I don't really trust him moving inside, and I think that's why getting that guy like a Duke Dawson, another guy, Danny Johnson out of Southern University, definitely make sure you watch him if you guys haven't. And uh, these are guys that I think could bump inside. Tremont Smith, Central Arkansas. Uh, I, I, I know it's kind of strange to trust a rookie more than a, a veteran in Jalen Mills, but I think when it just comes down to it, that just the ability to be able to, to, to pattern match these quicker receivers, I think that's something that Duke Dawson and some of these other guys bring. So, so Teron, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Teron, before you got to get going. Give me the Eagles starting cornerback, starting secondary around like 2020, right? Obviously, Ronald Darby is in a, a you know questionable situation. Whether he's coming back, you think Jalen Mills might move? If you're drafting, if you're in charge, you know, going all the way like you know into the dime package, who's starting for you and where are they playing? Ooh, that's a tough question because you know sometimes they're going to use that that three safety package, and uh, that's where a guy like yeah. Trey Sullivan, nobody's talking about Trey, but. I talked to him uh, a couple weeks ago, and he, he was in Vegas working out. So he's someone I think when they go to certain nickel packages, they could bring Trey Sullivan in, let him have that that over-the-top coverage, bump Malcolm down into the slot to go against a guy like a Julio Jones or, or some of those bigger-type receivers that bump inside to the slot. So it's going to depend on the packages. I think just base, you're looking at, at Darby and, and Jalen Mills. And obviously the two safeties, their first nickel package. I think they're going to bring Sidney Jones in, and obviously, but I think Sidney's a guy that you can move inside and, and have cover the slot. But the only thing with Sidney that you're losing is just that physicality against the run game. So uh, I think it's going to really depend from week to week on on who they're playing. But Sidney is a guy. And then I mean, you, you, like I say, you, you got to look at Trey Sullivan coming in. They're going to draft a corner at some point, and then you got Rasul Douglas. Okay. You know. There's going to be times when they're going to mix yeah. in Sue. And I tell you what, having that length out there 
you know, on the numbers and, and, and going against some of these, these bigger receivers. And he actually held his own against Tyreek Hill also. You know, didn't bite the cheese on those double moves. So he definitely is someone else to consider. But I, I think they draft a corner. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Jair Alexander is a guy that they take. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they do that at 32. I mean, there's so many directions. I really think they're going to trade back. And that's where I think, uh, you know, I keep saying it, Duke Dawson, I think he's a guy that's going to be a part of the, that needs to be a part of this team. Yeah, all, all very good points. Teron, man, thank you for uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come talk some birds with us. We uh we really appreciate it, man. No problem. I appreciate it. And hey, congrats on on winning the, the show, man. That's quite an accomplishment. And <laughs> you know that that's that's uh that's something I gotta big you up on, yeah. man. Good stuff. I appreciate it. Boy, Mike. For sure. Take it easy. And we are back. Ben. Always a good time talking with Teron. Can't wait for the next next level podcast. See what I did there. Uh-huh. Nickel cornerback is definitely something that the Eagles have been targeting. He mentioned uh, Trayvon Smith from Central Arkansas, mm-hmm. somebody that we brought in. Mike Hughes could be a target there at 32 or even with the trade back if the quarterback starts to slip. He mentioned our boy Jair Alexander. I don't think that they get out of the draft without uh, addressing it. And along with Duke Dawson, who I really like, um, some other slot names just to keep an eye out for, especially with return value. You've got DJ Reed out of Kansas State, who was second in the nation, both in, I think, punt return and kick return average. So he's got some dynamic return ability. They're, they're really looking at those types of guys. Darius Phillips from yeah. Western Michigan has five career kick return touchdowns, five career interception touchdowns, five career punt, uh, I'm sorry, one punt return for a touchdown as well. He is a big time playmaker. We talked about him a few times on this show. Uh, I really like Perry Nickerson out of Tulane. Uh, he's the ultimate consolation prize for the speedster. Dante Jackson out of LSU. We got to come away with one of these guys, right, Ben? Absolutely. And and I know, so Darius Phillips, that's like your dude, right? That's your guy. Yeah. To me, I'll put my flag down. He, uh, you know, Tron brought up Duke Dawson, who's my dude. Big fan of Duke Dawson. I'll talk about uh, Nelson, yeah. Nick Nelson, this young man out of Wisconsin. He's grabby. He's physical. He can get too many penalties. He's a little raw. But honestly, I'm very excited about uh, what I see from uh, from Nelson in terms of his willingness to scrap it up with bigger receivers. He's, he's effective at the catch point. He's a bit of a ball hawk. So Nelson's my guy. I'll, um, I'll plant the flag there for him. As far as the nickel corner, but it was fun to hear Teron, you know, bring up Trey Sullivan, a name we haven't talked about much yeah. uh, beforehand. Christian Kirk, the first rounder. You know, if Christian Kirk goes in the first round, dude, we're in trouble because that means we're losing money because we were very sure that less. Or was that one we disagreed on? I know I was thought we was under one point five wide receivers in the first round. Christian Kirk's going. There's definitely been a couple that went before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's going to be interesting because I know he had a lot of hype during the season. I think that's cooled off. A little bit. I, I think he's a solid slot starter uh, that you can put in, and he's going to give you a high floor, a low ceiling, but you feel very confident with him in your lineup. I just think you're always going to be wanting a, a little bit more mm-hmm. dynamicism from, or a little more dynamic playmaking ability from that position. But yeah, I mean, nickel corner is a spot we're going to be targeting. Back back to that point that Teron made, and another spot that I really feel is a must-have for us, and we must have. we've talked about this. Tight end at some point has to be addressed. Now, how early you go tight end? That is the major question. We've said day three a lot, where you're going to be targeting someone like maybe a Durham Smythe from Notre Dame, but he's pretty much only a blocker. He's a projection as a receiver. Same with Dalton Dalton Schultz from Stanford, who has a little bit more. In juice in the receiving game, but still mainly a blocker. 
Tyler Conklin can do a little bit of both. Christopher Herndon is a guy I really like. He's definitely not going to be there in the fourth round. He would have been a top 60 selection if he were healthy for the entire season. I really believe that. So here's right. Here's the thing is that we're, we're starting to hear that Herndon is liked by the NFL. And it's been a lot of like, you know, Ian Thomas is a guy that could go here. Mm. Durham Smythe is a guy that could go a little bit early or whatever as far as that like next tier goes. But we've heard a couple of times now that Chris Herndon is a young man who round three is where they expect him to be going out. So Philadelphia is trying to get him at that round four pick. It ain't going to happen. Right. Uh, they better be in day two, like late day two, but they better be in day two to grab him. So that's what we heard about Herndon. Make your case for a round one tight end because I'll play devil's advocate real quick because we've done this with running back before and I don't necessarily think we need to come away with a with a round one running back or anything like that as I think it's a, a thing that you can target later on uh, if your guy isn't there if Darius Geis isn't there he's going to be there we're going to take him that's I'm just willing it to happen but anyway we got production out of Corey Clementa UDFA uh, what what's to say that we can't find somebody like that at tight end and the counter argument to my own counter argument is yeah we did it with Trey Burton but Trey Burton did take a while to come along, acclimate to the NFL, and provide meaningful production. So I think that's something to note in favor of, of your argument with going tight end early. Right. And, and an important thing to remember about Trey Burton is that when he came out, nobody had any clue what to do with right. him. Because we talk about spread offense right now as like, oh, something the NFL has got to figure out. Back then, when Urban Meyer was one of like, you know, a decent amount, but not a huge amount of coaches running the spread at Florida. Uh, and he was using Trey Burton in like 85 different ways. Yeah. NFL teams had no clue how to evaluate it, Trey Burton. There just wasn't a schema for it yet. There wasn't a precedent. I mean, I'm sure there was, but like <laughs> Trey Burton was uh, much more anomalous when he came out than, than even, you know, five years down the for road sure. where he is currently. That, that, that's what, you know, makes a guy like Burton available as a UDFA. If a Burton-esque athlete and player were to come out now, he would certainly be drafted. The case for a round one tight end is this. Zach Ertz will be effective lining him up in the slot or in line. All the top tight ends in this class, Dallas Goddard and Mike Gesicki really being the two big names, will be likely more effective in the slot than they will be lined up in line. Gesicki, to a much greater degree, Goddard like Ertz has a little bit more of a balance. Yeah, and we're not talking necessarily like in a traditional slot position. We're talking at the very least detached from the line slightly, even where to the point where you can affect the track of the edge rusher outside of the tackle. Right. Oh, certainly, yeah. And even then, Mike Gesicki played boundary wide receiver for the Nittany <laughs> Lions, like like three by one sets. And Ertz does this in Philadelphia. Yeah. This is what's important to understand is that if you hear two tight end sets and you think two guys, one on the side of each tackle, or two guys both on the side of one tackle, one offset as an H back from the other, it's not what it would look like. Right. Uh, you know, it would be 11 personnel formations with 12 personnel, 11 personnel, one running back and one tight end. That typically it's a three wide receiver set. However, when you have Goddard and Ertz in there, you can run a no huddle offense, line up four wide receivers on one play, and then come back and line up with two tight ends mm -hmm. on the next play because Goddard and Ertz can, Ertz can both do both. That's what I'm saying. So it provides an incredible amount of offensive change, offensive versatility, offensive like amorphism. You know, you just, you can affect so many different things. But then also you're talking about, uh, you know, the Eagles don't really have that, you know, they've got Alshon Jeffrey and then the next best receiver is Zach Ertz and then Nelson Aguilar contract year. You could certainly make room to add another receiving threat. It absolutely is space there.
for it. You know, th- that's not something that we're missing out on whatsoever. And so I think a first round tight end, as long as you're getting one of those elite players, because to me, Goddard and Gesicki are both round one guys with incredible athleticism and really great niche abilities. To me, that that pick, it's a bit of a luxury, the same way I think a running back right. would be, and, and it's certainly justifiable. And and I said this when we were on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, if you were to take a first-round running back and a first-round first tight end and compare how many offensive snaps they took, I think a tight end takes more, mm-hmm. even with Zach Ertz on the roster. So that's it for me. Can I shoot you one of my must-haves? For sure, man. Fire away. So, I, you know, we talked a lot about positions. We talked a lot about values in different parts of the draft. So I just want to talk in a more general sense. What I what I got to have for this draft is a clear plan to win beyond 2019. Mm. And the reason I say this is because the Eagles roster didn't really bleed an amount, a big amount of Super Bowl talent after the Super Bowl win, which is a regular, right? Usually like after a Super Bowl win, you lose a lot of talent. Didn't really happen for Philly. Like Vinnie Curry, Bo Allen, Trey Burton, those are the big losses. Patrick Robinson should mention as yep. well. Those aren't huge, you know? Philly's in a, in a spot where their roster is going to be likely better in the beginning of 2018 than it was in 2017. That, that you know, and, and that 2017 roster won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, and after incurring injury. So there's no reason to believe Philadelphia shouldn't be the clear favorites. I don't care who the Rams have gotten. I don't care what Kirk Cousins is doing in Miami. Philadelphia should be the clear favorites for the NFC because this is the roster that went and won the Super Bowl and it is better than it was. So, but, after 2019, where Jason Peters is potentially gone, Brandon Graham is potentially gone, Nelson Aguilar potentially gone, Jordan Hicks potentially gone, and now all of a sudden you've got to sign Carson Wentz to a big time contract in the upcoming years because you know his contract's going to be over. You got to sign him likely to what's going to be north of 30 million per year money uh, for for a, a four or five year contract. Yeah. It's imperative that you're getting really good production from rookie players when you hit that 2020 year. And so to me, I would love to see a draft that drafts for the 2019-2020 offseason, which is to say that's prepared for Jason Peters to leave with a big-time offensive tackle. It's prepared for Brandon Graham to leave with a big-time edge. It's prepared for Jordan Hicks to leave with an heir apparent at linebacker. Of course, you can't solve all these problems right now with only one pick on the first three rounds, and I get that. But I would really like it to be clear, given this draft, that Philadelphia is preparing to not just be a team that was dominant for a stretch and then fell away. Seattle Seahawks, they just dropped off a cliff yeah. after they were they were they were so strong for two three seasons, and then boom, they weren't able to keep it together. You have to draft really well to become a dynasty, and that's what we want for Philadelphia. Not one Super Bowl. Now we want multiple. We've had a taste, and we want to go back. Yeah. You know, hungry dogs run faster, but the dogs had a taste, and now the dogs want to go back for another meal. And so uh, I would love to see that forward thinking, and I, I expect to see it. But it'd be nice if it's very very clear in this draft class. Yeah, and I think it will be, and that kind of falls in line with how Howie Roseman his roster construction because you often see him try to preempt the market and get a get a step ahead on these contracts like the Alshon Jeffrey contract that doesn't look that bad now that you go through this wide receiver free agent class and even just like that's why Brandon Graham's not signed right now to, to an extension is because how he wanted to get in front of the market and Brandon was like no I mean I'll help you out this year I'll take an incentive laden right. you know contract a, a restructure uh, but long term, I I know what this what this edge market is going to look like, and and I'm going to try to take advantage of that in negotiation. So you're not going to get me this time, Howie, and it's understandable on both sides, uh, completely understandable. But I definitely get your point. And one thing that I wanted to throw back at you with that, because I thought you might be going in this direction, is this something that you're more focused on as far as a long term plan 
at premium positions that typically cost more at the position. For instance, the offensive tackle position or the edge position. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. In the sense that I'm going to look, and this is why you know we we're, we have we experience friction on the running back thing. When I start to look at where I should draft for the future, the first place I turn is the current free agent markets. And I try to figure out where I'll be able to find starters year after year on the free agent market. And to me, it's very, very clear that I can find contributors at running back on the free agent market. And I can find typically like decent, not great, decent wide receiver talent on the free agent market. Something we've seen is that a decent amount of offensive line talent does hit the free agent market. Like, I'm going to give you that 100%, yeah. right? Do I think elite offensive line talent hit it, hits the free agent market? No. Hashtag why Nate Solder hit the free agent market, and then the Giants went and paid, made him the biggest paid uh, left tackle. But that's a different topic, different conversation. <laughs> uh, you know, but like edge, you're not going to see elite edges hit the free agent market. And that's why Brandon Graham is working so hard to get a big fat contract from Philadelphia because his camp knows that if a Brandon Graham level talent hits the market at edge, he's going to get paid like a top five edge when really he's like a top 10, top 12 edge. And and that's going to be huge for him, right? And and so this is why Graham's trying to push into that market because he'll be able to make, you know, ridiculous money on it because it's very rare that that much of a talent hits the edge market. So when I look to the free agent classes that I can typically find good starters, I don't see offensive tackles very often. I never see edges, and I don't typically see middle linebackers right. as well. You know, not 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 the athletes that we currently need at the position. So that's why I want to be addressing those spots. And that, that that's that's the the three year plan that I think you really need to have when you step into a draft room. You know, come Thursday. And there was a point that we were making before with the nickel corner position. As far as finding guys with return value, guys like DJ Reed from Kansas State, Darius Phillips from Western Michigan, who are very dynamic returners. What about a returner at different positions? I know, what is it, Jester Weah? Jester Weah. Jester Weah from Pittsburgh is someone that's been uh, on the rare before, someone that we've talked about. What are some other guys that you're looking for where, regardless of position and probably coming from the wide receiver position, but even like a guy like Naeem Hines, the running back out of NC State, who John Ledger just put out today from NDT Scouting, friend of the show, said that Naeem Hines could go as high as 50 and and definitely around 75 in, in the draft. So that's not, not something that we can wait around on to pick if you wanted to pick him. If there was a trade back and maybe we got some extra value, I, I just don't see him being able to come here, which is a shame because I really like his game. Rashad Penny is something that, that we've had into the building. He's got return value. Who are some of the return guys that, that you like? Yeah, and it's interesting because I think one of the things we have to talk about, and I actually have a post that's coming up. Uh, it'll be on Bleeding Green Nation when this drops on Wednesday, talking about some bold predictions for, for the Eagles draft. And one of my bold predictions, I'll spoil it here and give you a little bit of an explanation. I don't think the Eagles make a pick after round five. Uh, I think they move their sixth round pick and their seventh round pick in an event to get to where they want to be. And the reason is because this roster is ridiculously deep. And because this roster is ridiculously deep, we don't need to go in the sixth round picking up guys who are going to be special teams contributors. We already have them. You know, we've got a lot of them on the roster, so it'd be tough for them to stick. You thinking a trade back, trade forward sandwich? I'm thinking this. I'm thinking trade back because 
you think it's a good value at 32 unless you have a guy that you want. Get more picks and premium spots and don't worry about the later ones and move up with those, right? Exactly, right? I think when I look at Philadelphia's roster, it's not built to hold six picks, one of whom is premium, you know, an elite guy, another whom is like a, a developmental starter, and then the four guys are day three guys. It doesn't have room for those day yeah. three guys. It is such a deep roster. What it does have room for is, you know, kind of beating the dead horse here, a developmental offensive tackle, <laughs> a middle linebacker, you know, like these guys have been talking about. Um, which Again, there'll be more on this in the post. Please go click on it and, and, and click on things that I write. Hashtag support Ben. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, it's simply to say that, you know, the Eagles have been looking at a lot of guys with return specialist ability. So I'm glad you brought this up because that's a caveat that I made. They could go for that one guy because they don't have that one guy yet. But if you're trying to get on the Eagles because you bring special teams value, I've got bad news for you. They have good special team players already. Right. right? And so you're kind of stuck. So that being said, certainly, I think, you know, if they're able to land a Naeem Hines, Rashad Penny, uh, then they would be very quick to take that because they can add a running back to the committee and also need a returner. And so that makes sense. Um, when I go and I look at wide receivers, you have Quadre Henderson out of Pittsburgh, who's a fantastic yeah. returner. He's a very late round guy, but he's a gadgety sort of a guy. Uh, and uh, Dante Pettis out of Washington yes. would probably require a round three, a round three selection, but he'd be another great fit. Uh, and then even Cedric Wilson out of Boise State was a young man mm-hmm. who did a lot of returning for the Broncos. He's probably a round four, round five guy. Those are three names that circle at wide receiver. Uh, guys who can stick on the roster because they can do gadgety things. And Henderson especially is more of a gadget guy, whereas Wilson and Pettis know how to run routes a little better. But you get the manufactured touches in space. They can play the Z for you. You know, Mike Wallace is a, is a stopgap, whatever. And then when you flip it, we talked about Darius Phillips out of Western Michigan. The one about whom we did not speak, uh, Virginia Tech nickel corner, Greg, Greg Stroman. Stroman. Yeah, Stroman is a guy with returning experience for the Hokies. I don't really think he was a super great returner, to be honest. I don't know his stats, but if memory serves, they were like decent, not not whatever, not anything to write home about. But Philadelphia needs that returner, and they need that nickel corner. Greg Stroman's a day three guy yeah. who actually could stick. You grab him in round five, and he has two ways to get on this roster. Though, bold prediction, Danell Pumphrey is returning kicks for the <laughs> Eagles in 2018. Boom! So, doesn't matter anyway. Wrong show. This is not the preseason bold prediction show, Ben. This is the must-have show. And to recap the must-haves, we've got the we've got the slot corner or the nickel corner, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we've got the tight end, no matter where you get them. And we made the argument for for picking one high, or I let Ben made the argu- make the argument for picking one high, and I get it. Uh, a wild card, a quick wild card that I threw out there before that I'll throw in now. Alan Lazard, the wide receiver out of Iowa State, someone that could be there in the fourth round, and you just get that big body. You detach him off the line. You treat him like a tight end. You add some poundage to the trunk. And, uh, and you go to work with him. That would be really interesting to me. Uh, the other one, the other must have a long-term plan, a long-term vision with this draft at premium positions. And then the last one was the returners. So we hope that we've outlined some things that we want to see and will bring you some value to your viewing experience of the NFL draft. And Ben, the next time we're going to be talking with the gentle, gentle listeners is during the NFL Ooh. draft. So you wanted to let the gentle listeners know what we have on tap for them moving forward. So gentle listeners. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the Kist and Solak show. Uh, listen well and listen good. This is the plan for draft day. Thursday, Chickies and Pete's starting at 745 Eastern Time. Well, we will begin live broadcasting on the BGN channel, BGN radio, the main show. Uh, and there'll be a ton of BGN writers, uh, you know, rotating in, Eagles guys. 
But as your resident, can I call us draft experts? Is that okay? Yeah. Do you think, do you think John will edit it out? John, please don't edit it out. <laughs> as the resident draft experts, we're excited to be on the live stream uh, and be giving you guys a ton of the content that you've really responded positively to this year. And I think given that this is the last episode before the draft, uh, a quick moment to just express our sincere and overwhelming thanks. We came on to BGN Radio not a couple months ago, and one of the reasons we came on at the time that we did is simply because, you know, John Burchard wanted to bring on heavy draft coverage uh, because he knew that we'd be able to provide that given our overlap. The response we received has been tremendous. Uh, I think it blew, you know, the bottom off of what we would ever anticipate, and we're so glad that we were able to provide this good content for you. I, I know myself, I've been too busy you know, watching Sixers playoff games, which is a weird sentence, watching Flyers playoff games, which is another weird sentence, uh, you know, to I've skipped tape films to watch, you know, MB and whatever. So we're glad that we're able to take 20, 30 minutes of your day, keep you ready for the draft. So that way you're prepared for this weekend. And, and we're, we're so glad that you do appreciate that. So make sure you do join our live stream, Eagle specific covering the draft on BGN radio. Again, starts at 745 Eastern standard time, uh, chickens and Pete's. If you're in Philadelphia, that's the spot to be. That's the hangout. Of course, Mike and I will be releasing shows at the end of day one, at the end of day two, talking about what happened, predicting what will happen on the next day, laughing at the Giants for drafting Saquon Barkley, all of the important stuff. We'll be updating you, of course, on the over-under bet, for which we still do not yet have uh, any stakes, Mike, so we need to get those. Uh, we need to decide what the loser is going to do probably before the draft starts because probably. that's when things will be live. Yeah, that'll be important. Uh, and so make sure, of course, you know, we'll be keeping track of that. And finally, uh, on bleedinggreen.com will be all the written content. So if you need the videos, if you need the gifts, if you need the words to break down these prospects, to be smarter than your friends, we have you covered. Every content you could ever need. Make sure you're always hitting us up on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. At Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. With any questions, yeah. concerns, or comments you have before the draft, this is Christmas. Let's go to town. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we we want to interact with you on Twitter. We want to answer your questions because at the end of the day, gentle listener, we all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear the loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep in You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut the Custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or soap up. A beauty stunning, what's she funny? That's the proper.